I am Ben Doc Askins, the psychedelic science war storyteller, and this is the Anti-Hero's Journey Podcast. Hey everybody, Doc here. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want it to be possible for me to continue to make it, then I'm going to need you to go to my store at antiheroesjourney.com and buy my audiobook and my ebook in one of the many translations available, or go to shop and pick out some of my stuff t shirts and hats and pet bandanas and bikinis and scented candles and all sorts of nonsense, all the things you could ever want and never need. And get 10% off with the code, all caps, FRIEND10. Go to antiheroesjourney.com and use the code, all caps, FRIEND10 to get 10% off anything that you could ever want there. I appreciate your support. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. What's up, all you anti-heroes out there? Doc Askins coming at you with another one of these Q5 podcasts that I know you can't get enough of, where I ask five of my favorite questions that I use in my ketamine-assisted therapy practice, and I uh, present them to some of the people that I think are cool out there. And the cool person I've got on the pod today is former Navy FA-18 Hornet fighter pilot, Wall Street executive, Top Gun grad, and founder of No Fallen Heroes Foundation, E. Matthew Wiz Buckley. Welcome onto the podcast today, my friend. Thanks, Doc. Uh, nice to be here, man. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to chat. Yeah, I'm excited to hear your story and uh, share it with whoever's tuning in to listen at this point. Yeah, well, if if they're suffering from insomnia, I'll, I'll help them out. <laughs> we'll do what we can for everybody out there. Uh, we'll try to address both ADHD and insomnia today if we can. All right. Sounds like a plan. So let's get rocking and rolling then with question number one. What's your story, brother? Man, the, the executive uh, summary version, man. I was born born and raised in South Philly, South Jersey, the real Jersey Shore, not the MTV one. One of uh, <laughs> Jim one Tan of laundry kids. wasn't the thing. <laughs> exactly. GTL. Yeah. You know, a stereotypical Irish Catholic family, six kids raised, you know, service above self and the, and the give something back to the country. So I knew at a younger age, I wanted to uh, join the military, lived on the beach, loved the ocean. You know, my best friend growing up across the street, his dad was larger than life. His dad flew uh, F-106 fighter jets for the New Jersey Air National Guard. And he was just the coolest guy in the world, flight suit and a Trans Am and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, beach, fighter jet, ocean. I said, all right, I want to fly jets for the Navy. So Hopped in the car, went down to Jacksonville University down here in Florida, met my beautiful bride, my college sweetheart, busted my rear, rear end. You know, Murphy was an aviator in 86. The original Top Gun came out and I'm like, well, that's just great. Now everybody wants to fly jets <laughs> for the Navy. So I had to work even harder, right? So got to Pensacola for flight training, busted, busted my ass and uh, got selected for jets, went to beautiful Kingsville, Texas. Uh, if you think Corpus Christi, <laughs> Corpus Christi is bad. A lot of kings living Going in out. Kingsville, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, the King Ranch is down there in Kingsville. But yeah, so, and again, busted. My, you had to bust my ass again because not only does the, the Navy have a lot of jets, you know, there's different types of jets. So I wanted to fly the newest fighter at the time, which was the F-18 Hornet. So I kind of busted my ass and got selected for F-18s. 
uh, and then was based out in California, out in uh, Lamora, California, in the Central Valley, kind of an armpit of California. And I did uh, two deployments over to the Persian Gulf on board Abraham Lincoln. And then my second deployment was on board Kitty Hawk. Did Operation Southern Watch no-fly zone missions, which were technically combat sorties, but without a doubt, the most boring flying I've ever done in my life. <laughs> in the year 2000, like a lemming following all the other dudes out the door, went to go be a rich airline pilot. And a uh, completely different long story we can talk about some other time. The morning of September 11th, I was getting ready for my first flight as a pilot for American Airlines in in Fort Worth. So saw the attacks happening. I raced out to Naval Air Station Fort Worth because I was flying F-18s for a reserve squadron out there. So got with the S-16 guys next door, and we briefed to get airborne and fly a combat air patrol over the United States. They actually got airborne first because they're Air Force guys with more money and missiles, and they're used to this type of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. me and my buddy Gruff sat at the end of the runway with the engines turning, armed up and 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 ready to go. I tell that because, you know, a week after the attacks, I got a photocopied letter from American Airlines HR saying I was furloughed, which is, you know, airline speak for laid off. So laid off, you know, I had been trading. I taught myself on active duty how to trade options and stocks kind of in the background because you don't join the military to get rich, clearly. So I, you know, kind of it's for the food. kind of was trading in the background. Yeah, exactly. So now now that I lost my airline career, I started trading full time to pay the bills. Thankfully, our reserve squadron got a lot of money because we ended up getting mobilized for Operation Iraqi Freedom. So I could reserve bum, but still I needed to make a little bit more money. So, uh, man, I popped up on the radar of one of the largest volatility arbitrage options trading firms in the world, headquartered in the Chicago Board of Trade. And they said, what do you do? I'm like, well, trading is a form of combat, right? Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to get their ass handed to them. So I've just been using everything I learned flying a fighter jet to my trading. And it kind of works pretty well. They're like, you know, they went mafia on me. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. They, <laughs> You know, Chicago style. They put a, a number on a napkin and slid it over to me like, here's why don't you come to Chicago? I'm like, done. So I went up to Chicago. <laughs> That's a lot of zeros. There <laughs> was a lot. It's more zero than I've ever seen in my life. So I went up there with my bride and, and my two boys. And then my, my daughter was born up there in Chicago. I, you know, no offense to anybody from the Midwest, but you can keep it. I'm a Navy guy. I need a beach <laughs> and warmth. And, you know, Lake Michigan doesn't count as a as a beach. They have some white sand there. They'll tell you yeah. all about the white sand on Lake Michigan, right? Yeah, well, I, I don't want to go swimming where like the Edmund Fitzgerald sank. <laughs> so uh, after about three years of doing that, you know, my wife, my bride is from Boca Raton, Florida. So I just said, you know what, let's uh, let's go down there. I, I, I'm pretty damn sure I can do this on my own. So I built a company called Top Gun Options where I teach people how to trade options. You know, I do live trade briefs throughout the week. But, you know, about... Two years ago, shameless, shameless, shameless plug, I wrote a book called COVID Crash because I predicted the COVID market crash okay. to the day, man. Really? You couldn't, God takes care of fools, drunks, and sailors. So I'm faces <laughs> loaded for whiz. But I remember a, uh, it was, it was, I think it was January 22nd. It was, I'll never forget this because all the beautiful people, you know, once a year, they meet in Davos, right? And it was the January, they were all over in Davos and, you know, Donald Trump was getting interviewed by, uh, what's his name, Joe Kiernan. And it was like the end of the interview. It was like a throwaway question. It was like, hey, you know, Mr. President, before you go, you know, what's this China 
bug or flu coming? What, what? He's like, dumb question, Joe. Why are you even asking me that? You know, I, tr- <laughs> I trust G. He's a good dude, good backswing. Been to Mar-a-Lago. I love him. That's a dumb question. <laughs> Not coming here. Well, I had a buddy. I had a deep throat in D.C. He's like, dude, complete fucking lie. It's coming here. Yeah, it's yeah. bad, right? Yeah. And like there was a couple U.S. senators that got the same kind of briefing I got from a buddy who went out to microphones and said, what? Not coming here. Remain calm. And they picked up their cell phone and they called their brokers and got out and they told all their best friends to get out. And of course, they never got. We did an investigation and that's not insider trading. Like, are you kidding me? I I did outsider trading. I told everybody who would listen, I'm like, it's coming. (laughs) Get, you know, buy puts on the S&P 500, get long volatility. We're in a lot of trouble. And we literally made millionaires, you know, little old ladies in tennis shoes, filthy rich. I'm telling you this because you know, I'm not big at quoting scripture, but I can at least do this one half-assed. You know, it'll be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I made a shit pot of money. And I'm like, you know what, man, veterans, I lost a, his picture's right over there, a, a groomsman in my wedding, Captain Eric Swenson, Swede, beautiful wife, five kids, put a bullet in his head. And I also lost two other buddies, F-18 brothers to suicide. I'm like, dude, veteran suicide. Back then, mm. I think the number was like 17 a day, right? Yeah, yeah. Then that kind of creeped up to 22. Oh, and by the way, last year, a couple small colleges, Duke University and the University of Alabama, went and actually dug into Uncle Sam's numbers. And it turns out that Uncle Sam's only counting like violent suicides. They ain't counting people drinking themselves to death or drugs. So they said 44. It's closer to 44. We're going to run out of veterans. So let me backtrack. In 2020, I'm like, you got a shitload of money. Do something, Wiz. I got to do something. Started a foundation called Top Gunfighter Foundation because it's a very small marketing department. And I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I don't know. Uh, help write resumes. Help buy suits. I, I, I had no clue what I was going to do. And then a buddy of mine's like, hey, man, I heard about these, these like Navy SEALs and Special Forces dudes that go to Mexico and they do psychedelic assisted therapy. And I'm like, what? And then the one guy's like, yeah, there's there's a good group going in a couple weeks. You you should go with them. I'm like, going to Mexico to do drugs with Navy SEALs for a weekend? Sign me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, like, that sounds like, like a Sons something. of Anarchy episode waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah, sure. I'm like, you can count me. Uh, yeah, I'm in. Man, I had no fucking idea what I was getting into, man. So it ended up being a pretty cool, eclectic group. It was Marcus Luttrell, obviously, most of your listeners and viewers know The Lone Survivor, right? Either the book or the movie with Mark Wahlberg. So Marcus Luttrell and then Jared Taylor, JT, the, one of the founders of Black Rifle Coffee. Another veteran Navy SEAL and then an NFL player. This guy was a four-year All-American at Iowa and then eight years, I think, at the Raiders. Just horrific CTE, right? So, man, we drove down to Mexico and I'll give you the, we, we can dig into this a little more if you want, but. It was without a doubt the most. I got 30, 40 years of therapy in a weekend. I, I forgot to tell you as a kid, you know, that stereotypical Irish Catholic family. I was an altar boy in Catholic school. And uh, my brother, my older brother, and two of my sisters were all at Villanova University together. And my sister Monica was a freshman. All three of them were at a fraternity party. And my brother, John and my sister Marilyn said, Hey, Monica, we're going back to campus. Are you coming with us? And she said, No, I'm, you know, I'm going to go with these folks. Well, those folks drove drunk. They blew a stop sign. 
her car was hit and my sister was thrown from the car and broke her neck and was oh, killed. Wow. So that was just, I'm sorry, and I brother. was getting ready to go into high school. No, well, guess what? I'm, I, I, I am healed, right? Because that was a hand grenade, man. That destroyed my family. She was right in the middle and gone. My dad, he never smiled again. I remember when I had kids, I remember sitting with them one night, looking at my kids running around and I'm like, dad, how did you, you know, after Monica died, he knew what the question was coming. He just looked at me. He said, I had you. He said, I had you guys. He said, when they lowered her into the ground, I wanted to jump in with her. Right. And when I was in high school, you know, high school is tough enough for a young man, let alone losing your parents technically and, and, and your sister. So I played sports and I'd miss the bus in the afternoon. So my dad would pick me up sometimes. And in between St. Augustine prep and our home was the cemetery. And he stopped every day and he got out of that car and he cried every day. Yeah. It was brutal, right? Yeah. I bring this up because, and then he died at 65, strong as an ox. He died of a broken heart, right? I bring this up because laying on my back in Mexico, man, there's my dad. And there's my sister. They could not have looked more happy. They were perfect. Mm, They were absolutely angelic, right? And uh, pixelated is a bad word, but I'm looking at them. I feel I've never felt better in my life. And they they kind of, they pixelated or they kind of drifted away. And I started yelling. I'm like, don't leave me. Don't leave again. And they came back and they looked at me and they smiled. And they started to go away again. And then I followed them and they went into everything. They went into my daughter. They went into the trees. They went into the sunset. And I was at peace. They never left. They were right here. And they're right here on this podcast. And man, it was the most, and I'll spare you the rest of it, but it was the most spiritual healing, cleansing experience of my life. I got home and I said, this is the way, this is what we're going to do to heal veterans. So I changed the name because Top Gun Fighter Foundation is a little maverick centric. So I changed it to uh, the No Fallen Heroes Foundation, man. So we provide healing grants for veterans, first responders, because a lot of people leave the military. They don't, they hang up one uniform, they put on another one and they don't clean up any of their traumas and they get more being a first responder. I have a buddy who's a 20 year Marine who went to Coral Miami Dade kind of down South fire rescue. He's like, dude, I saw it was worse being in fire rescue than ever as a Marine and their family. So we provide healing grants to these folks to go do psychedelic assisted therapy. We currently, you know, Costa Rica, I went to a place called the mission within just South of San Diego, right? You do it in San Diego, you're a felon, you hop in your car and drive an hour south, you save your life. So we go to the Mission Within in uh, Northern Mexico and also a place called Ambio. We also use a place called Awaken Your Soul down in Costa Rica. And down in Costa Rica, we do Iboga, which is the actual root. At the Mission Within, we do Ibogaine, which is a derivative of, of Iboga. And then um, I'll make a formal announcement today. What's today's date? In a month from now, we will be doing our first healing retreat in the United States in Colorado because it's, you know, thank you, Oregon. Thank you, Colorado. They are blazing the, blazing the path and it is legal, at least at a state level, 
in those states. So we're, we're going to be doing our... Yeah, what's the date on that? Uh, last weekend in October, like 25 to, yeah, whatever, Thursday through Monday would be the last weekend in October. I mean, because I, I, it makes me furious that we have people who endured significant trauma serving this nation and we have to go to another country to potentially heal this trauma. It's just an absolute disgrace. So it's time to heal our heroes at home. So that's what we're, we're doing at the No Fallen Heroes Foundation. And obviously we're, we're adv- advocating, right? I jump on a plane, seems like all far too often to fly up to Washington and uh, shake hands and kiss babies. Thankfully, you know, Morgan Luttrell, Congressman Morgan Luttrell, also a Navy SEAL. Marcus, you know, his, his brother is Marcus Luttrell. They so look a lot alike. <laughs> they do. I, I, when I finally met Morgan for the first time, I'm like, it looks like your mom hiccuped. <laughs> And then two of you guys popped out. One of the nicest guys I've ever met, just like his brother. But he's a congressman now, but he did the medicine. So he's he's a veteran. He's on Capitol Hill, and he can sit there and, and say, hey, man, I, I did this. Dan Crenshaw hasn't done the medicine yet, but he's, he's buddies with all, all the guys. And then Ryan Zinke, Congressman Zinke, is also a Na- former Navy SEAL. So we got Navy SEALs and Congress starting to, starting to lead the way. It's, it's really interesting that you know I saw this headline a couple months ago you know, Crenshaw and AOC. I'm like, oh my God, I can't read the rest of that headline. What's it? They, they killed each other or something. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Crenshaw and AOC agree on this. I'm like, anytime you can get a Crenshaw or an AOC agreeing on something, it probably is a freaking fantastic idea to do. So the Democrats are already there. Guys like me are having to pull Republicans because I'll talk to Republicans. They're like, oh, you know, isn't it like weed and, you know, because people, for better or worse, see cannabis as what? Recreational, right? It's, I, you're preaching to the choir about its medicinal use is what I'm saying is in the public eye, right? So a lot of congressmen sit there like, and I'll look at them. I'm like, dude, there was nothing recreational about my weekend in Mexico, man. You aren't taking Ibogaine and going out in a club. You ain't going anywhere for a half a day to a day. So this is, th- these you know, healing medicines are not recreational and they can be one and done. I mean, I, I, the, the healing I received, I, I could be good to go for the rest of my life type of thing. Now I've, I've done a tune up, you know, cause a little, little bit of a rust buildup, but the good thing about the medicine is change your oil old. Yeah. You know, so old me, if, if, if there was some rust buildup, drink, drugs, bad relation, just bad, I'd spiral into bad knew me can you know what what what's the flight attendant tell you you know when you get on an airliner hey man if we lose cabin pressurization put the mask on you first you ain't good to anybody else if you're done right so the you know a tune-up you know and, and marcus actually came up with this he's like we need to do an annual let's do an annual pilgrimage man the initial five that did the medicine together let's all go and kind of get our get our tune up. So these medicines can be one and done if you want, but ain't, ain't nothing wrong with going to knock the rust off. And and let me end with this. You know, not that you can be a good drinker, but I was a drinker and I was a bad drinker. Up until about 8 months after doing the medicine, I couldn't even look at alcohol. It made me ill to even like think of taking a drink. So ibogaine, if you, you know, google it, it was is was currently is used for heroin addicts 85 percent of heroin addicts in one study 
up to three years after an ibogaine treatment, never even looked at heroin again. So life-changing, incredible healing with these medicines, but of course, schedule one drugs, right? In America. And of course, the definition of a schedule one drug in this country is no therapeutic use and a high risk of addiction. That's the physical definition of a cigarette and alcohol. The things will kill you and they no therapeutic use, right? But these medicines, they're actually anti-addictive, right? The more you do, they don't work, right? That's why if you've people who microdose, they do like four days on, three days off, or you, you can't keep doing them because they don't work, right? God's a smart pharmacologist. You can't keep hitting this stuff. So they're anti-addictive and it was the most therapeutic thing I've done in my life. So it's the exact opposite definition of a schedule one drug. But obviously in this country, the government inverse labels things, right? The Inflation Reduction Act caused inflation, right? We can't define a woman or, you know, it's just, it's, it's obscene. So these medicines, so much potential healing capabilities in, in these medicines that I came home and I said, this is the way. No Fallen Heroes Foundation. A veteran should not have to come out of pocket to heal. Healing should be free. Technically, healing is free. You can grow mushrooms in your backyard or your home, right? And Iboga is a root from Gabon, Africa. So God, and if that word freaks you out, put a different word in. Creator, divine truth. You know, I, I prefer to use the word God. God put all these things on this planet for us to heal. You walk through the Amazon, a, a medicine woman can point to something that can heal whatever the hell's wrong with you. So, you know, the number one reason these medicines are illegal clearly is because of big pharma. It is the biggest threat in the world to these pharmaceutical companies is, you know, because Marcus told me, he's like, Wiz, I was on 15 meds, you know, five to wake up five to go to, you know, five for lunch and five to go to bed. He hasn't taken a med since we did the treatment. So these medicines can be, you know, one and done as far as healing. And also maybe even it, it, like I said, it, it gives you a clean piece of paper, man. I came home and I couldn't, now, you know, now I can tonight, I have a nice dinner. I'll have a nice steak and maybe a, a glass of wine with my ribeye type of thing. But old me, a glass of wine was the bottle. And, and those days are over with, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to say. So that was a very, long answer to your short question, but that's, that's kind of who I am and what's going on, yeah, man. Yeah. That's a, there's a lot going on there, right? Wow. What a story. Yep. I appreciate you. Yeah. All of that. <laughs> it ain't over yet either too. We got, <laughs> right? a, yeah, we got a lot of work a couple, to do. Like you said, it's the executive summary, right? Yeah. You know, I, Ibogaine prior to being a schedule one medication, the brand name for it was end abuse because they're always real clever about naming pharmaceuticals. One word, End abuse. And then it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was made, you know, schedule one and has no therapeutic applications. And I'm glad that there's some work being done right here in my home state, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, around trying to fund some of the research on some of those sorts of things. I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, the hearing you guys had, was it last week or two weeks ago, was awesome. You're you're leading the way. So Colorado, Oregon, and Kentucky, man, leading the way. So (laughs) keep up the good work. (laughs) Away from the coast. We're going to draw you in somehow away from the coast, my friend, here, at least once in a while. If you're going to go to Colorado at the end of October, I think that's great. You know, honestly, if you're willing, I'd, I'd scrap the other four questions and I'd love to hear, like you said, you'd be willing to dig in a little bit more to your experience in Mexico. And to the degree that you're comfortable talking about that, I'd love to just spend whatever time we have left hearing about that. Would you be willing to? 
Yeah, man. Yeah. So, you know, for folks that are interested, so Iboga is the root, right? They actually, there are many people that believe, you know, Garden of Eden type of thing. It's the tree of knowledge because, and there's a great book. It's just out of reach with all my other great books over there. It's called The Immortality Key. Brian Murarescu. Yeah, it's a good book. There you go, man. Super interesting. Yeah, before Christianity came along and kind of doomed a lot of things. First of all, women were the medicine women and the priests and it was psychedelics, folks. The Greeks, it, it was all psychedelics, right? You could communicate with whatever that thing you you choose to call it, God or whatever, right? So Iboga is is the root. And then one of, it's got like 13, 14 alkaloids in it. One of the alkaloids that they can pull out is called Ibogaine. And Ibogaine is like a global thermonuclear bomb of, of healing. So Friday night, you get down there, you do your welcome aboard brief. And, you know, we kind of do a fire ceremony where you... You put what you, you know, you write down what you want to get rid of and what you want to manifest, throw it into the fire type of thing. And so we took the Ibogaine and it took, I don't know, man, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour. I remember sitting, laying on bed and we're all in one big room. We're all in like a big master bedroom in a beautiful home in Mexico overlooking the Pacific. So, I mean, it's literally out of central casting what this place looked like. Part of the brief, they said, you know, the onset might sound like bees, and I'm like, all right, well, I, I don't get that. So I'm lying there, and about 45 Makes minutes. Makes me think of a yeah, Candyman but- movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where the bees show up before he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Fortunately, it wasn't that. So I, I just start, and you got eye shades. So I got my eye shades on, and man, there's buzzing, right? And I'm like, oh, uh, that makes sense. I get what they're talking about with bees. But it wasn't, I just remember going, I am vibrating, I am vibrating. Holy shit. It's not bees. I'm like vibrating. I remember lifting up my eye shades and looking at my hand because I wanted to make, I thought it was shaking, right? My whole body was shaking. I wasn't moving at all. So I put my eye shades back down and I'm like, wait a minute. Because the buzzing like increased and then it stopped. And then I just gently got airborne. To me, it was energy. It was frequency. It was like, I'm old enough to remember the old time TVs, man, with static. I was, this medicine went into my body and went everywhere and had to tune me in to whatever frequency that the universe was on. And once it found it, it stopped. And then I went. And it's, you know, it's hard to I say I'll break it up into halves, but it might have been three quarters or a quarter, whatever. But the first half, (laughs) yeah, exactly. The first half, so to speak, was a brief. At this point, I really hadn't been introduced to what the thing was, but whatever the thing was, I got a tour. I remember getting home and debriefing Susie, my, my wife, and I said, I don't have to travel anywhere. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I've seen everything. The first half of the Ibogaine <laughs> was a tour. It was almost like, check this out. Look at the beauty. Look at the, not just this planet, man, the universe. I saw everything. I've never seen beauty as much as this. I mean, you know, a, a, a beetle on a leaf in, in, in Norway to whatever, the mountains. It was just, it was a brief of, Look at everything, right? And that was just, I have no words to describe that. And then that kind of ended. 
and I'm in space, right? I'm just, it's comfortable. I'm not like floating, you know, lost in space type of thing. I'm just kind of there. And I'm like, wow, look at this. And then all of a sudden this big ass, brilliant white light up, you know, kind of upper right type of thing. I'm like, and you I just try, I was ashamed to look at it. I actually was like, intuitively, I'm like, oh boy, I'm pretty sure I know what that is. Right. And I just kind of remember, and there was, there was no words this entire, it was all energy. I got answers to everything. There was communication, but there was no like voice. And I remember looking at this and it was, and, and just even looking at this light, it was nothing but love and energy. And just, it was, it was, if it was home. Right. And I remember asking him, like, are you God? <laughs> and I got the answer, yes. Hello, from... God, it's me, Margaret. <laughs> exactly. And I just remember getting that yes, and I just kind of, like, exploded into, it, it felt like love, light, and energy. And then after I collected myself and came back, I'm like, it, it, doubting, doubting Wiz, right? Doubting Thomas. I go, can you you know, I needed proof. I'm like, can you give me as if I needed proof? I go, can you give me a sign? And I'm telling you, bro, right around this big, massive white in cursive writing, the word sign appeared and mm. disappeared a couple of times. I'm like, Oh my God, holy shit. Yeah. I was like, not only is it God, but God, my God's got a sense of humor. So it was, <laughs> can you give me a sign. It was real literal it, sign for you here, but it, it, it was a literal <laughs> in cursive writing around that light. It knew you could read cursive. At least it wasn't it, like exactly. <laughs> yeah. Today's kids would have been screwed. So I was blown away. And then of course, you know, it's funny because I, 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 I kind of get into this little bit of a loop with God. I said, well, where you been? And it was very, it was all love the entire time. It was like, I've always been, where have you been, my son, type of thing. And I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. But <laughs> then, <laughs> I just then like, of question right back to yeah, you. Yeah, I'm like, like thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Like, oh, yeah. Well, where have yeah, you I'm like, been? I'm sitting right here, man. <laughs> I didn't need that. So I get stuck in this loop with God. I go, wait. What do you mean? He's like, I have always been and I will always be. And I'm like, whoa, who made you? Gentle, loving response again. I have always been and I will always be. And again, typical me. I'm like, no, no, dude, I get that part. But who made you? You had to have. <laughs> and God gently just kind of took me and lifted me up and I exploded into forever. I felt forever huh. and I knew exactly what it meant. And forever is now, right? Our time is our human kind. We made all this bullshit up. God showed me that the only instant is now uh -huh. and that lasts forever. Yeah. It answered a question that I've had for a very long time about my sister and my father. I always wondered if they're bored Right? Are they, you know, are they sitting in heaven? That's like the best question about heaven, right? That's everybody's yeah. question is like, oh, yeah, harps and angel wings. And yeah, like, like, do they sit there and look commercial? at their watch? Uh, yeah. yeah. Are they yeah, sitting they there do. going, yeah, man, it's been a while. Where's everybody? Or, you know, I, this is hello. <laughs> yeah. And the answer is no, man. I felt it. I felt what forever meant. 
So after, you know, our little Q&A back and forth, that's when God kind of took me under his arm. And it was like, it literally was like a camera. We just saw my life, my childhood, my present, the future, everything was cleaned. I got to see experiences. Unfortunately, after my sister died, there was some sexual trauma I suffered. Everything I got to look at from a sitting with, with the man and it was cleansed, all of this stuff. And, you know, some of the stupid shit I had done in my life, you know, I begged for forgiveness. I was on my knees and God just kind of, not that God can shrug. God kind of looked at me and said, you are forgiven, my son. I do not make imperfect things. You're perfect the way you are. But if you need this here, and man, it just, it was a washing, a cleansing, a, you know, five years ago, me, if I heard me use this phrase, I'd kick my own ass, but I was born again. It literally gave me a clean piece of paper. It took 52 years of regret, shame, drugs, alcohol, and it washed it away. And it was, it was incredible. So seeing, like I said, my sister, my father, seeing the childhood, seeing all these type of traumas from a different point of view was incredibly healing to me. And it was interesting because you know, some of the other guys I was with, JT or, or Marcus, they were kind of they were kind of in it. And it sounded, you know, at, at various points like these guys were getting cut in half by a mm. saw, right? Mm. I mean, they were they were kind of they were they were in it. I was like, am I going to God, are you going to like kick me? And and a couple of them were were purging, right? They don't call it, you know, getting sick, right? They call it a purge. And I remember it at one point just lying there like I'm like, I got to help these guys. And I could, you can barely move. One of the biggest decisions I made in my life was like trying to roll on my side at one point. It took like, <laughs> it took like five hours just to kind of move. Taser training. Yeah. Strategic navigators reduced my income tax bill by over 50%. These guys save entrepreneurs anywhere from 40 to 60% on their income taxes. Click the link in the description to schedule a call and see what these guys can do for you. If you enjoy paying as much as possible in taxes, then just ignore everything I just said. Yeah. So I remember lying there going, I got to help these guys, you know, like an aviator. These are my ground buddies and they're in trouble. I got to help. They sound like they're in trouble. I remember God looking at me like, Matthew, they're getting exactly what they need, son. Let's worry about you. Right. And I'm like, but, 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 and God, again, gently just kind of would pull. And he's like, trust me, they're getting exactly what they need. Let's go. And then we'd, we'd go off. And then of course the next day I'm like, you know, JT or or Marcus, I'm like, you good. And they're like, never better. I'm like, (laughs) you sounded like you were in it last night, like, or the purging or stuff like that. And they're like, dude, I didn't purge. I'm like, Oh my God, dude, I was there. And he's like, no, no, no. I remember. I have to get you all on here and have you argue it uh, about Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would, that that would be the other side of the story. What's it like to be in it? Yeah. 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 Get the pilot perspective and then the Navy SEAL and the JTAC (laughs) perspective because it's all exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need to hear the, uh, the, 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 my five MEO experience from the way JT told it because he was on the other side of that. Okay. And he, and he heard it because, but anyway, yeah. Talk it, lay it on me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the 
so the next day, so you get a gray day, right? You, you got to, you know, and, and they, t- I'm not a, I was never a journal guy. I'm like, people who write journals are weird. I'm like, n- now I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause they're like, just write down what happened. Even if you don't understand it or know what happened, just kind of write it down. And months later, I even years later, I go back to the day and read stuff. I'm like, wow, you know, it, it makes sense. So Sunday, we do five meo DMT, right? It's it's the venom of the desert, you know, the Sonoran toad. Whew. And they kept us, you know, it's a big house. So like Marcus went first; he's all the way upstairs, and we're like in the basement. And now I know why they keep you really separated because of me, right? So I'm second to go. And, uh, you know, we go into this room and it's beautiful. Like I said, overlooking the Pacific and just a bed in the middle of the floor. And, you know, I was in there with another Navy SEAL who was holding space and then my guide and obviously the doctor. And, you know, the mission within, they have two nurses there throughout the night. They have a cardiologist. You're hooked up to an EKG. I mean, it's a, it's half spiritual, half clinical, right? Man, I, I'm, I'm sitting there Indian style, if you can say that, or cross-legged. And I'm, you know, they eye shades on your forehead. They're like, you know, once you take it in, we'll, we'll gently slide these down and kind of lay you back. And I'm like, all right, man, I took in the, the five MEO DMT and they're like, you know, count out, you know, count down from 10 or then count. I'm like, okay. And man, as I start to lean back, I just kind of keep going. There ain't no bed. I just in the blanket, you know, it's like star Wars, man. When they make a jump to hyperspace, I went from zero to infinity. I, I exploded you know, and you know, I'm still a pilot right now and you never, you never want to hear your pilot say this to you, but I I will tell you, I have zero fear of death anymore. I absolutely, and it's, it's interesting because I guarantee you she's going to listen to this and she's going to give me shit again. But our director of medicine operations, she's like, please avoid telling people you died. I'm like, (laughs) when I did, when I did that five MEO, (laughs) tell the truth. When I did that 5-MeO-DMT, man, that was, I have zero fear of death. I know when I take my last breath exactly what's going to happen. And it's, you know, I have this motto that says you've survived every one of your worst days. And to me, the worst day that I don't survive is going to end up being the most incredible day. Because I just physically, everything just exploded into source. And, you know, some people kind of get a little turned sideways when I talk like this. Cause I'm like, I became one with God. Well, first of all, we all are one with God right now. We are made in its image. And, but man, I was with source. I became one with source and everything. And it was perfect. This is where I literally got the whole forever for like, and it was now I had no sense of time not to get too, not, not not to downgrade this, but it was the, it was a cause. It was the it was an orgasm times infinity. It was absolutely perfection, and it was now, but it was forever. Right, man, it was just absolute perfection. I was one with everything and one with God. Right, but it kind of turned into an Apollo thirteen moment because whatever word you want to use, source creators like, all right, do do you understand? Do you get this now? Right. You have nothing to fear, nothing to fear. You're perfect. Everything's great, but you can't stay. (laughs) You gotta, you got shit to do. Right. So I I remember, and I don't remember any of this, the physical things I'm going to tell you were told to me by the three people in the room. They're like, you got into the fetal position, like literally as tight into a tight little ball. 
because I remember coming back and I remember trying to fit into this imperfect vessel, but there was some shame or darkness or still some drugs or regret or whatever was in this thing that wouldn't leave. So I remember screaming at the top of my lungs. I remember that one. I hadn't yelled that loud since my father died, right? So I remember that one. And then they're like, you took a deep breath because it wouldn't leave. Whatever was in here that was stuck wouldn't leave. And they're like, dude, you took a deeper breath, a bigger breath, and you yelled longer and louder. And they said in the blink of an eye, you flipped. I did a forward flip in the bed. <laughs> I, I tell you, man, I think maybe I've tried to flip twice into a pool maybe when I was a kid. And, <laughs> and you know, I landed on my back and uh, don't yeah. do that again. That was stupid. Dude, I flipped in this bed. Huh. I don't remember that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I remember after the yells, I remember like a deep breath. And I'm like, okay, where, wherever I am right now, that wasn't me. And then I heard another deep breath. And I'm like, well, maybe I should do that. And I took a deep breath and I opened my eyes and there's three people around me, like tears in their eyes and they look like they're terrified. And I'm like, are, are you guys okay? They're like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, why? You know, never been better type of thing. And they're looking yeah, at me like guy. they see just, death. You just, know, like had nine heads and we're, you know, screaming and flipping yeah. and whatever. Are you guys good? Yeah. You all good? Yeah. I, right, yeah. Cool. You good? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, at dinner later, they gave me the full debrief, and I'm like, oh, that that explains the looks on your faces and everything <laughs> like that. So, yeah, man, it was and, – and they told me at dinner, they're like, do you remember one of the first things you said? I'm like, no. They're like, well, when you came out, you know, they said – or you said you can't wait to tell Susie you love her forever because you know what forever means. And I was like, oh, wow. And then, uh, yeah, they said you had a Braveheart moment. You looked at us, and you just said the word freedom. You said freedom. I'm like, oh, shit, man. It, well, that's what that was. And it was funny because I came down the stairs and JT and the other SEAL who, who still hadn't gone yet, you know, we were told that this was the icing on the cake. You know, this was like beautiful experience and stuff like that. And all they heard sitting in that living room <laughs> was you do an MMA blood. with yourself. <laughs> you, he, JT, I remember coming down the stairs. And I, I'm, I give those both those guys a thumbs up and they're looking at me like, what, they they had looks of terror on their face. <laughs> and I guess my lady, my guide was standing behind me going down the stairs, like waving, like, no, 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 don't say anything to Wiz, just, shh, you know. And they took me outside and they gave me some fruit. And I'm like, wow. And they told me the story later, dinner, JT's like, yeah, we're told that this is the icing on the cake. This is the coolest thing ever. And all I hear is two blood curdling <laughs> screams, like they're hitting you in the calf with an ax. And then we hear a boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. And then you come down the stairs smiling with this shitty <laughs> grin on your face. Cut the Achilles and fly like a fish. Who'd you leave up yeah, there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it made sense, you know, like uh, their looks on their face when I came down the stairs. But it was, yeah, it was without a doubt the, but that, I, I will tell you, I will warn you. That, that's <laughs> You're going to do own, this again annually? That's the plan? No, 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 no. So. The reunion tour? <laughs> yeah. No. So I, it's interesting because some people are like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I do five MEO every, I'm like, I never want to do that again. That, that was a one and done for me. I have zero interest to do it again. Here's, let me give you the, I did it again story real quick. So I went down with a group, the first group of fighter pilots to do it because this was mainly ground people. Right. But since 
I didn't go to the airlines and went to Wall Street. I don't have an airline job. I don't have to lie to the FAA. You know, I don't have any PTS or, you know, so a bunch of, you know, my bros are lying. We, we, we sent a guy down to do the medicine who's an American Airlines captain, F-16 pilot. He's like, dude, I've been in therapy for 15 years and I pay cash because I don't want Uncle Sam to have a record of it, right? So I went down with those guys and I did the 5-MEO again and dude, it sucked, but I got exactly what I needed, meaning, and I'll use an aviation example, I could not go supersonic. I could see it. I could see like a little bit of a wall. I could see what I saw on the other side of this thing that I got the first time, perfection, but it was like I was bumping up against the sound barrier and I couldn't, I couldn't punch through it. And it was so frustrating. And I remember God kind of being a little loving or whatever going, you, you don't, you don't need to be here Wiz. you kind of got, you got it, son. Right. So I was like, whoa. And my guide was awesome. You know, well, maybe not because afterwards she's like, you know what? I probably told you that should have told you this before. I'm like, told me what? She's like, well, anybody who I've worked with over the years who is doing this to try and help people, the medicine shows you everything, right? <laughs> you know, good, bad, and otherwise. So you can obviously talk to people about it and help. I'm like, duh, that makes some pretty damn good sense. She's like, well, you, you kind of didn't expect it to do the, the exact same thing you did the first time. Did you? I'm like, yeah, I kind of did. That's why I kind of, <laughs> that's why I wanted yeah. to do it again. Wanted and she's to ride like, the oh, ride again. Tower of terror. That's exactly. It's the exactly right. I'm a fighter pilot. I, you know, the adrenaline rush lay it on me type of thing. And she's like, yeah, I probably should have briefed you on that. So the second time, so now I'm done. And here's another one of those ridiculous statements that if I had heard in the past, I'd laugh at, but I'm going to tell you now that I believe the medicine calls to you like it does. If you feel that or hear that it is, if not, it's not, don't do it if it ain't. So I learned that lesson, not necessarily the hard way because I got what I needed. Now I can speak to that. Right. But it, it definitely was a little frustrating not being able to go uh, supersonic. So that was definitely an interesting part of that experience. So again, I got what I, I needed, didn't get what I wanted, but that's what I needed. God source needed to show me like, dude, this, you need to start telling people this can be a one and done. You don't need to, to keep hitting it, so to speak. So yeah, so that was my, that's, that's my toad story, a front flip in a bed. It was an exorcism and it, it, it was well-deserved and definitely well-received. So those are two separate experiences. You know, we're, we're military guys. We, you know, we want shit, instant gratification. We want now let's squeeze these thing, two things together in a weekend. Be very, very careful. Those are two separate experiences. I'm integrating. I'll be integrating that initial five MEO experience for the rest of my life, dude. I still get downloads. I'll meditate. I'll get back to the kind of that transcendent state I felt on the medicine. So you don't need to do that. This can be a one and done. It should have been a one and done, but I didn't. But now I know I can, I can give lessons learned. So don't feel like, you know, you, you need to be some sort of psychedelic tourist. There are enough, there are enough veterans and first responders that we have helped that are like, dude, I'm, I got it. Wow. I'm, I'm good. And, and never look back. So, you know, take my lessons learned <laughs> and, and wisely, but, and, and I, I ask you, you know, I thank you for asking me this stuff, doc, but I probably should have led with this instead of ending with it is this was my experience, right? Mm -hmm. 
when I did Iboga, I had a completely different downloads. Let me share with this real quick. When I went to Costa Rica and I did Iboga, I had met one of the guides, just talked to her briefly in the day and a half before we did the medicine. So we're sitting around this fire after doing the Iboga. And across the fire circle from me is that lady. She, she was Dutch or something, really nice lady. But she, for like an hour or two that we're around the fire circle, she's like staring. I thought she was staring at me, but it looked like a little offset. And I'm kind of like, you know, do I, do I have a booger hanging out of my nose or my zipper down? What, I mean, what's kind of what's going on here? And that one, that's a whole separate podcast. I can debrief my Iboga experience, but it was almost no visuals, but which the Ibogaine was nothing but visual. It was insanity. But this was downloads. I got clarity on stuff like laser messages. But I bring this up because I didn't think I, you know, the next morning I kind of roll off my mattress and I go sit near that fire circle. Just, you know, I grab my journal and I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, what, what was that? She came up to me. She's like, hey, I, I have to tell you something. I'm like, I didn't say this, but I'm like, yeah, you, what the hell was going on? You were staring at me. She's like, at the fire circle last night, after you took the first round of medicine, there was a male figure behind you, like standing behind you, kind of with his, his hands on your, on your shoulders. And I'm like, hmm. oh my God, was that, was that maybe my dad? You know, I'm like, wow. And then she said, when you went to lay down on your mattress, that male figure was standing at the head of your mattress and then a white light of love and beauty was swirling around you the entire night. She's like, I would look away and they, they do a little bit of medicine to tune in. She's like, I would look away just as I'm like, okay, well that's that. And she'd look back and she's like, that male figure was standing there and that white light enveloped you the entire night. I'm like, that was my dad. And that was my sister. I felt it. So I, I didn't think I got anything. And this lady walked up to me. She's like, dude, I got, I got to tell you what I saw around you last night. I'm like, Oh my God. It was almost like when I did the abogue, it was almost like my check ride as an instructor. I got the feeling like, dude, we've done some heavy cleansing. It was almost like a, a debrief with God going, you got this. I think you've got kind of everything you need in your toolbox right now Wiz, it wasn't Wiz, it was Matthew. It was like, you got, you got what you need, son. You, you are signed off. You are now an instructor pilot. And I mean that in, not even in, close in the sense that I know shit about this stuff, man. I am, the more I learn, the less I know. So I ain't no Shambro or whatever. I am just telling you my experiences because anybody who's out there running around like, I'm an expert or I know, dude, run away from those people as fast as you can. So I tell people, I'm like, if you want to listen to kind of what I saw and experienced, that that was me, man. Each time you're going to get served up something different and, and different downloads. So, you know, sometimes I hesitate of giving my full flip in the bed shit because, you know, I held space for some recent 5MEO folks and you know, one guy just laid there and giggled. Another lady, yeah, you know, yeah. cried a little bit and laughed. And I'm like, what the hell am I? I flipped in the bed. What the fuck? So every experience is different. And everything you hear about anybody's journey was their journey. That was made. I remember on the Ibo game, looking at some of the stuff going, the production values on this thing are insane. <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> like this, you need an Oscar, man. This yeah, is... Yeah. <laughs> this is insanity. I love, look at the detail yeah. and everything. So 
it looks so real. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, this is just insane. I would, you know, I laughed, I cried. It was better than cats. I'd, I'd see it again and again. So, you know, sometimes I hesitate to, to give my full debrief because there ain't yeah, no yeah. way in hell people are, are going to get anything similar. But if it helps, yeah. it, it it's good. So mine was completely spiritual. Even JT or Marcus sounded like they were they were in a dog fight. It was a good dog fight, right? Because any of the purging, mm-hmm. like they're like, dude, I, all I saw in me was dark and sadness and shame and regret. And it was bubbling. And God said, get rid of it, son. Don't carry it anymore. And I felt better. I'm like, dude, that's because it came out of your mouth. It was so the the purging is definitely an energy release. It's not like a night of drinking and I'm getting sick. You don't even most of the people that purge don't even know they did it, right? I, I you know, knock on wood, I've never felt the need because that's what, especially with ayahuasca, a lot of people are like, I don't want to purge. I don't like getting sick. First of all, it ain't getting sick, and second of all, I never did in all the medicine work that I've done. I've knock on wood. I've I've never felt in the least bit nauseous or anything. And any of my energy release was kind of in my mind and my soul. It wasn't a physical release, but that does, that does happen. The group of five fighter pilots that I took down there, just one guy, one guy was, was a purger. And again, the next day it's call signs. Bart, Bart was like, dude, what are you talking about? Getting sick. I didn't get sick. I'm like, dude, you were that guy. You you were like a giraffe on ice skates, man. You were, (laughs) you were all over the place. He's like, ah, you're lying. I'm like, okay, I am. But yeah, so that, you know, that's why I kind of exaggeration. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why I sometimes hesitate to, to brief people on stuff because I, I, but if it, if it helps give you some context or at least make you feel a little bit better, you know, cause, and it's interesting because people are like, oh, you know, I, I did mushrooms once and I tripped out and I saw some, I'm like, well, first of all, what happened? Well, I was at a concert and I'm like, all right, strike one. It's (laughs) set and setting, right? Mm, The right mindset going into the medicine and then where you are. I bring this up because people are like, oh my God, I don't want to see shit. So on Ibogaine and Iboga, it ain't hallucinatory. There ain't nothing. It, Ibogaine is a deeply, ayahuasca, I've never done it, but I hear a, it's an external. Like everything in Ibogaine, everybody we've helped or talked to is, that was an internal, personal journey. Like I didn't see, you know, during that tour, you know, we talked about the first half of the Ibogaine when I saw a tour of the world, the universe, and it was awesome. At one point, like a red face kind of came up and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Now it's going to be, you know, fucking demons and, and shit. Yeah. And it went away as soon as I kind of, I leaned into it. I'm like, what the, and I leaned into it and it went away and I'm like, oh, well that wasn't that bad. And then it came back, like it almost heard me. And I'm like, that doesn't scare me. And it went away even quicker. And I got the message like, dude, there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing scary at all. Hmm. Right. There's a. I want to get this quote right, but at the beginning, or you know, this this book, A Course in Miracles, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And that, you know, so if, if anybody's sitting there like, I'm f- afraid of what I'll see, don't. It ain't nothing, ain't nothing popping up out of the blue. No Jason with a chainsaw type of thing. That ain't, I've never heard of that happening with anybody. It's all stuff that you're carrying so yeah so i think i answered that <laughs> another long <laughs> another long answer to one of your very yeah, short questions no it's a very <laughs> thorough answer like you said you hesitate sometimes and i understand why but i'm i'm incredibly grateful that you were willing not to hesitate and to open up and to share some of those things on the on the podcast today you got it man I, I, yeah like i said it's it was personal to me but 
it's really interesting because this medicine, folks, most people, I'd say almost everybody that's done ibogaine or boga kind of has it broken in half like I talked about, the visualization phase. It's almost like the medicine goes in and goes, all right, I've looked into everything. We took an inventory inside this person. Let's give them the brief. Let's show them around. And then let's dig into them. It's so, it's incredible. You would think it's a fucking plant, man. How's it? Everybody who I've worked with that have done that, it's kind of broken into two. I don't know if it's a half or not. Maybe that was 10 seconds long and then the rest is 14 hours. I don't know, but I'm just saying it's pretty interesting how this medicine, the Iboga and the Ibogaine kind of breaks it up and, and gives you a little, little tour of how special everything is and incredible. And then it gets to work on you, which is, which is pretty cool. Real quick, the, the NFL player we went down with, I rode in the car with him from San Diego to Mexico because you'd take a little convoy, like three or four cars. And I swear, man, I was sitting next to death. Big dude. He's a big dude, man. Big guy. He just looked dead. It's a horrible CTE. Let me fast forward. Like a year later, a year later, I'm in San Diego at a fundraiser. I walk past this massive guy and he throws me an elbow. I'm like, oh shit, now I'm in a fight. It was him. <laughs> I walked death. right past him. No, it was an angel, man. He was completely yes, transformed, different. One of the Navy SEALs, can't name names it with this one, but he's like, dude, look at this. This was his brain scans from the VA. Dark, black, gray. He's like, look at this, dude. They almost killed me from radiation poisoning because three months after the medicine, it was white. And the techs and the doc were like, something's wrong with the machine or this ain't your, these are somebody else's. He's like, that's me. Stop. It was white. So the neuroplasticity of these medicines, these medicines to be able to go in and and reconnect broken synapses or neurons or whatever, it's pretty damn cool that these medicines can go in and start potentially repairing some damage. There are so many great studies coming, whether it's with dementia or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's with these medicines being able to go in and, and kind of regrow some stuff, which is just absolutely incredible. So, so this is it. If if this is the rest of my life, I'm never going to work a day in my life. You know, we, the no fallen heroes foundation, our mission objective is to heal, not, not just, you know, the closest alligators to my boat are my squadron mates, right? Veterans and first responders and obviously their family members serve, right? But the mission objective is to heal everybody. And, you know, let me clear this up too. These medicines are not for everybody, right? You can, you can meditate and heal. You can walk on the beach. You can climb the top of Mount Everest, whatever floats your boat. There are so many different potential healing modalities out there. But if potentially you got some radical trauma or need some radical healing, like I said, if this calls to you, then, then, then maybe listen, you can always reach out to me or I'll hook you up with our director of medicine operations and we can, we can talk to you about it, but, but don't, you know, I'm not, I definitely don't want to pull a Timothy O'Leary, right? We need to put LSD in the water. I I get what he was saying, right? I I tell people, I'm like, if I could kidnap Zelensky and Putin and throw them on a, on some Ibogaine, (laughs) they'd be best friends at the end of that. Cause this, you know, old me, Five years ago, I would have swam across the Atlantic by now to kill as many Russians as physically possible. Now I'm like, stop, man. What? Stop. What are you doing? Right? So these medicines can also, maybe that's why they're also illegal, because they can turn warriors into peacemakers. It just, it reframed. I don't see, I see souls now, man. I see perfect souls. 
I said this on my podcast recently, probably not too popular, but it's the truth. You want to reduce crime? You want to reduce people on parole going back to jail? Criminals need to do the medicine, man. Telling you criminals need to do the medicine or parolees or anything like that. When you can get these people back to looking at themselves as a, as a perfect soul underneath this bullshit, you're not your shell. You're, you're under your shell, right? And you're under your shell is perfect. So yeah, that's, that's another, that might be a separate podcast, but yeah, there, there are so many people that could, could benefit from this, but again, it ain't for everybody, man. It definitely is something you need to, I treated this as a combat mission, man. I briefed, I studied, I, you write intentions down. You know, I, I went into the medicine with five intentions and also five questions, right? So you can, you can do stuff. So it's a deadly serious undertaking. Definitely not to be be taken lightly, but it ain't for everybody. So don't don't feel bad if you're like, oh, I, this ain't calling me. No, then then hopefully you just you chuckle a little bit. But for other people, if it's if it's something that might resonate with you, give me a call. Man, that was just like the most thorough rundown on uh, psychedelics and psychedelic assisted therapy, particularly ibogaine, iboga, and five meo DMT. Man, I'm I'm super grateful you were willing to share that story. You got any final thoughts for the audience? No, nah, man, it, it's interesting because I, I call it the world's greatest Ponzi scheme, right? Because I got home and I'm like, I'm done. I got to, I got to, I got to tell people, I got to, I got to help people find this. Same thing happens. Just about everybody that comes back like, holy shit, dude. It's yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme in a good way. You just want to, you, you want to tell people. And I think that's also intuitively how God and the medicine wants us to be. It's interesting that, you know, thank God for Colorado and Oregon, but Uncle Sam's like, we need 10 years of studies and beakers and dudes in lab coats and slide rules. I'm like, you talk to a shaman in, in the middle of Brazil, they're like, what? We, it's, it's like the West is kind of, we found these things and we need to study them. It's like, they've been used for thousands and thousands of years. And here yeah. we come, here we well, come with, you need to get certified in the state of Colorado. I'm like certified. Some medicine lady's probably like, what? Oh, and you need to pay a licensing fee. Okay. <laughs> so they called it operation warp speed, right? It took nine months and $18 oh billion dollars to get the yep. COVID vaccines researched and through the same sort of safety and efficacy development processes that we use for all of the other vaccines that we give to newborns on the planet to figure all of those sorts of things out because we had the national will behind it. So my proposal is that we come up with an operation ludicrous speed to address the <laughs> pandemic of trauma and opioid suicide. addiction and all mm -hmm. of suicide and all of those sorts of things. Like if we had the national will, we certainly have the imaginary debt-based dollars to put behind running things through the sorts Easily. of clinical trials that will give people the evidence that they need. Like I understand the need for evidence as a clinician. I still yeah. have questions around the safety and efficacy of what's been published on ibogaine right and your your story's beautiful and it's thorough and i still have questions at the end of the day before i would write a prescription for it right so i want to see those studies but i want them done yesterday you know what i mean exactly we need to go plaid on the research the i'm telling you man so you know i, I get extremely frustrated every time i go to dc and leave because it's just a, it's a shit show but whenever there's a mass shooting in america what's the knee-jerk reaction out of some politicians we need to ban guns why? If it saves just one life, Wiz, wouldn't it be worth it? I'm like, perfect. Let me take that argument, delete one life, and put in veteran's life. Why don't we make these emergency available to veterans 
because if it can save just one veteran's life, wouldn't it be worth it? But clearly we're, we're kind of the ragged refuse and, and tossed aside. But I guarantee, I've been on retreats, or if I'm not on a retreat, I get a text or a phone call, and it, it makes me cry when I get these. Wiz, I don't want to kill myself anymore. I can't even put into words, first of all, how that feels. But folks, the generational trauma, the generational hand grenade of a suicide is in, I can't, you can't, you can't fathom it. Getting, saving one person, wouldn't it be worth it? But again, it, it ain't gun violence. So it's not, you know, sexy and a politically expedient. So if we can save just one veteran's life, wouldn't it be worth it? And I don't care what number you use, 17, 22, 44. How about one? One veteran per day is way too many. So that's my mission objective is to bring that number down to zero. I tell people the Take mission objective. Of, yeah. The mission objective of the No Fallen Heroes Foundation is to not be in existence. I tell people I want to be gone in two to three years. I want the No Fallen Heroes Foundation to cease to exist. I shouldn't be doing this. We should be taking care of the people that served. Get rid of my foundation. I don't need it. I don't want it. It's needed now, but I don't want it to be needed. Well, I appreciate those final thoughts. They're pretty uh, thorough, and uh, the logic there is undeniable, I think. You got it, my brother. Well, you'd be, yeah. I mean, we're talking about our country today's logic seems to be, <laughs> logic has left the building, but uh, my mission objective is to bring logic back and to save as many lives as we can. So I appreciate having the opportunity to talk, my brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Doc out. <laughs>